the title of today's message is How to Hate Your Parents, which is so, like, the irony of that for me, it's just really weird even to say that because let me tell you something. I love my parents. I adore them so much. Their names are Marie, that's my mom, and Arnie is my dad, and they're just the best. I love them so much. So when Shane was like, hey, how does this sound, how to hate your parents, I was like, Awesome. Cool. So let's get in it. We are reading out of Luke 14, verses 25 to 27. Jesus says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So today, hate your dad and mom, your spouse, your child, your siblings. Awesome. Welcome to church. We're here at North Point. On the surface, you might either say, that's absurd. How terrible. Why would Jesus, who taught us to love, is now saying, hate. Or you might say, oh, no problem. I already hate my mother and father. But it's not really about fathers and mothers. It's not about our parents or how to hate them. It's about discipleship with Jesus, which means it's about our commitment to Jesus. Jesus is talking about the cost of following him. And as much as Jesus says this blunt statement, he's not actually talking about our parents. He's talking about us. He's talking about you and me. And this hard saying that Jesus said is simply a statement of comparison. And Jesus, he's saying this, write this down as your first point. Your commitment to to me meaning Jesus, is meant to be unconditional. Your commitment to him is meant to be unconditional. So growing up as a little girl, I didn't quite understand how much my dad actually loved my mom. And here's what I mean by this. Anytime I would ask him, which was a lot, Dad, do you love me the most? So I had an older sister, and it's my mom, and it's just us three girls and my dad. I'm like, Dad, do you love me the most, though? I'm your favorite girl, right? He then would proceed to say, of course I love you. I love your, mo- your mother, and then I'd be like, my mom always comes first. And then it's your sister and you. I love you, girls. I love you. I love you, girls. But he would always cater to my mother most. Anytime the phone would ring, he'd make sure he's picking it up. Even now, I'm like, my dad calls me, and he's like, hey, how's your day? Hold on, I got to go. My mom, your mom's calling. I'm like, okay. He's always put her first, which is lovely. And he's always said he loves her the most. But as a little girl, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand how my dad didn't love me the most. Until I grew up and then I realized I understood a little bit more about what marriage meant. It was never about my dad not loving me. It was about his commitment that he made to my mom. 
He was and still is so devoted to her. But as a little girl, I thought, well, if you can't say that you love me the most, then, Dad, you just hate me the most then. I'm just your least favorite girl. But it was just obvious that my mom was first, that my mom was his love, that he was committed to her. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, he's saying, the people who follow me put me first, love me the most. Everything in their life, I am at the center of it which is why I use my dad's love for my mom versus me as the example, is because our love for the Lord should look like that. And this, guys, is a really good way to just check in with ourselves, to see if this is true about us. Because if we say, Jesus, I follow you, it should be pretty obvious that Jesus is first in our lives. Jesus is saying here, your ultimate love and devotion ought to be to me. This is the whole point of the message here. And let's make it very clear that what he is saying is a statement of comparison. He's explaining the cost to follow me is unconditional. So let's unfold this a little bit because unconditional commitment sounds like a lot because you guys have kids, you've got jobs, you have your spouses, you've got school, you've got your side hustle, you have serving the church, you've got the midweek Bible study, you know that, you guys know what I mean? You guys have a lot. And on top of that, you're thinking, oh gosh, there's more? Let me answer that. Yes. There is more, but not in the way that you think. Following Jesus is meant to be unconditional because it's this lifelong journey that leads to maturity in relationship with him so that you become more like him. So you have to ask yourself, am I becoming more like Jesus in everything that I'm a part of, in everything that I do and associate with. See, it's an internal and external sacrifice and yielding to him. It's more than just that first time commitment, that more than just that one time yes that you made back in junior high camp. It's this lifelong commitment of saying yes with no conditions but we prefer conditions, right? Under one condition, I'll do that. I'll do it if God answers my prayer. I'll do it if God gives me that raise. I'll do it if God heals my loved one. See, we give God conditions to following him. It's like we take him and bring him down into our little box. And here's why I think we do this, because I've done it before. I think we do this because we're actually not walking closely with the Lord. There's no intimacy with him. And that's kind of hard to swallow. There's no commitment to him. We all know the person who doesn't like to commit to things, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like that. But you guys know the people, you guys have the person where you text them, you're inviting them to something, and then they kind of are like, ah, I'll get back to you. They never get back to you. Do you guys have those people? Raise your hand. 
Yes, you're probably that person too. And they're just so wishy-washy, right? They suck. They never commit to anything. And then they come back to you a week later and they're like, hey, I'm feeling a little left out. Why'd you leave me out? And you're like, dude, I texted you, right? They have no commitment though. My point is, God desires for us to get to know him. But are we that person who we get annoyed by, who won't commit our time to him? See, we get to know someone by committing our time to them. Jesus says it's both feet in. It's not one foot out and one foot in. Jesus here is saying to be my disciple, you have to be all in. We've got to walk close together. You have to let me in. You have to give it to me. You have to want to be with me. Don't just dip your toes in the water. Don't just stay in the shallow end with Jesus. He's saying cannonball in. Right from the start, just jump in. And here's the sweet part. Jesus invites us in to do that. He says, come all in. He doesn't say, go to church for a little bit longer. Go clean up your life a little bit longer. Then you could come all in. He just says, come. You're invited to cannonball into the sweet water where he says, you're never going to thirst again. Water that satisfies eternally. The commitment that Jesus calls us to is to go all in with him, making him first above everything else in our lives. Can I share something personal with you? Thank you. I will. For years, for years I thought that in order for me to make Jesus ultimate, in my life, in order for my commitment to be so unconditional, this is what I thought, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. And it looked like this, I drew this picture for you guys. It's coming. Can you see that? Kind of. You can't see it behind that light, but Jesus is at the top. This is what this looked like to me. You guys are laughing. Okay. This is what this felt like. This is what I thought commitment to Jesus had to look like. I just have to do more. What does it feel like for you to follow Jesus like he's asked? Because for me, honestly, it looked like doing more. It looked like more church, more church, more church, Bible study, serving. Then all of a sudden, I'm serving in four different areas. I'm overcommitting myself to the church, not even to the Lord. Not spending an ounce of time with him. This is what it looked like. Just this climbing mountain. And maybe you can relate. Maybe this is what this feels like for you right now. But God's word tells us this in Ephesians 2. That we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And not by our own efforts or works. But yet a lot of us look like that picture. Jesus is at the top, and we're just climbing our way up, doing more and more and more. Church, the mountain, that mountain. Can we bring up that picture again? Beautiful. This is not discipleship with Jesus. This is not what it looks like. 
This isn't unconditional commitment to him. But what if this journey with Jesus, I have the next illustration coming up. What if the journey with Jesus is less of this mountain that we have to climb, this mountain of efforts and works that you have to climb, but by his grace, your journey with the Lord is more of just this path that you get to walk with him. What if it looks like, this is what it looks like. This is what discipleship with the Lord looks like. The mountain is not unconditional commitment to him because eventually you're going to find yourself huffing and puffing for air and you're burnt out. Why? Because you're climbing and you're climbing not even with him and you're always gonna ask, how is this not enough? How do I feel so distant from the Lord? What that looks like is deep desire and poor following. And this is how it was for me, so I'm gonna tell you. The greatest competitor of true devotion to Jesus is the service that you do for him. Because it's easier to serve than to pour out our lives to him completely. See, the goal isn't do more work. The goal is just to be with Jesus. So beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus, your job, your friends, your reputation. Whatever it is, you ought to ask yourself, is it competing with my loyalty and devotion to Jesus? Committing to him unconditionally looks like choosing the Lord as your companion in the morning, during the day, and closing the night with him. Why? Because God's word says that he's always with us. It's choosing in the little mundane moments. It's asking him, Lord, search my heart right now. God, I don't feel close to you. Crying out to him. It's moving from a place of just knowing a ton of facts about God when you walk through these doors to actually living with him. Jesus should take primary in our lives. In fact, he even prayed about this in John 17, 22. Jesus prayed that they may be one just as we are one with nothing in between, nothing to compete for our attention with God. But how do we keep this? Because there's so many things that grab our attention and captivate us. How do we keep this? We do it by just keeping our whole life continually open to Jesus instead of pretending like we are open with him. When my unconditional commitment to to Jesus looks like doing more for Jesus and less of Jesus, I ask myself this, am I drawing my life from any other source other than God. Typically, when I ask that, I've hit burnout. Anyone been there before? You're just burnt out, right? Your freshness and your strength, it just becomes weary, it becomes old, becomes stale. And then you come to the point of, oh man, I'm burnt out. But the in-between that 
is the worst part because it's like you go into this coma of not realizing that you're no longer relying on God's power. You're just doing it on your own. Guys, for me, sometimes it's been on my way to church missing Jesus. You have to ask yourself, where am I at with him? And step into this unconditional commitment with the Lord. Be all in. Be all yes to him. Jesus is saying, it's going to cost you something. And in comparison to me, it's going to look like you hate your father and mother. This is what he meant. He said, your love for me and devotion to me is going to make it look like you hate them. And he's clear about it. He's straight up, right? Following Jesus is actually predictable. Yes, there are some times you're not going to know your future. You're not going to necessarily know your next step all the time and know all the things. But he says stuff in our word, in his word. He says it's going to be challenging. And we can predict this. This is your next point. Your commitment to Christ will produce predictable challenges. I committed my life to Jesus when I was in high school, and I knew that there would be challenges. I didn't know the extent, but off the bat, I knew, okay, this is going to be hard. Why? Because Jesus isn't cool. Jesus isn't at the parties. Well, Jesus isn't at the parties. He's not cursing. He's not drinking. Jesus isn't cool. I remember my best friend and I, we would kind of hang out on the perimeters of the circle so that it kind of looked like we're in and, or, you know, with the, with the group, but we were just kind of on the outside. And any time, it was honestly so humiliating, but whatever. Any time someone would curse or say something mildly inappropriate, they would come over and just cover our ears. How embarrassing, because they knew we were the little Jesus freaks. They knew, oh, they can't hear these things. But guys, we, we, we were like, okay, this is going to be hard, and it might not stop. But we knew it would be challenging. It was a challenge, but a predictable one. We knew those things would make us feel like an outcast. But if your love, your ultimate love and devotion to the Lord... It's going to cause tension and friction and challenges because your commitment to him, what it is, is it's countercultural. It's not what everyone else is doing. And especially in this time when this was written, in a patriarchal, family-oriented society, this was just basically the course of your life, family. Your life completely revolved around family. And it was just the way your life was supposed to go. And if you went against the family, it did not look good. But this is what everyone's life just consisted of. Your life revolved around your family and your extended family. So you never disgraced your family. You never moved away from them. Never said anything that went against them. 
there were just challenges. So you can predict that Jesus was preaching to a crowd who would feel the weight of this challenge of what Jesus was calling them to do if they were going to follow him. You can predict that it will be challenging to choose Jesus over your father and mother. But if it looks like you hate your parents in comparison to your commitment to Christ, it's odd, but you're in a good spot. That's the way following Jesus should be. Now, whatever Jesus meant when he said what he said here in Luke 14, we know that it doesn't mean that you shouldn't honor your mother or father once you follow Jesus. Because that's the fifth commandment with a promise. And Jesus never went against against God's word. When you walk through the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment in Exodus 20.12 says this, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land of the Lord your God gives you. And in Exodus 21.17 says, Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. See, the idea here is that you never stop honoring your mother or father and father. You never stop listening to them. You never curse them or speak evil of them. No matter if they're encouraging you to live a godly life or if they don't approve of your devotion and love to Christ. At the end of the day, your devotion is to Jesus. And in this patriarchal, family-oriented society back then, this was absolutely wrong. And if you look at this in the eyes of the world, they'll say it's wrong too. They'll tell you other things should take primary of your life. Other things should be more important than Jesus. Your job, your kids, your wife, your career, your money. Jesus is teaching us that if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. He doesn't hide it. His first expectation is clear. It's very clear. If it means honoring Jesus and looking more like him, you can expect it to be predictably challenging. You can expect to get pushback. The more you do things God's way, the more you're going to hear how foolish you look. You'll look foolish giving your income to God, but you know that you're investing in the kingdom of God, which is eternal. You'll look foolish investing your time in ministry rather than your career, but you know you're investing in sharing the gospel. Everything looks different when we follow him. Everything. And it's gonna make them feel like enemies because it's completely opposite. You may find yourself at odds with your family. These are challenges that Jesus said would happen. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus predicts hard things are going to happen, and he tells us, don't be afraid of it, but expect it. Expect to be at odds with the world. And in the midst of that tension, you will have peace with me. How? Because Jesus already overcame it. He took it to the grave, defeated it, and overcame it. Now your job is to follow him. 
And as those tensions arise, he says, it's okay. Here's what you do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what you do. Lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. We lay down our preferences for the sake of Jesus. Following Jesus isn't always comfortable. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to get your way. Following Jesus is loving the people who hate your commitment to him because this is what Christ did for us. It's what he did for us. And right before he goes to the cross, we see all these things happen in the life of Jesus. Jesus, he sat in the garden of Gethsemane, so uncomfortably troubled and petrified in his humanity because his death was unfolding. He knew what was coming. Yet in the same moment said, Father God, take this cup from me, but not what I want, what you want. Then he goes, hung on a tree, dying and loving for people who hated him. You're guaranteed to find yourself at odds with the world when you follow him. Jesus said, it happened to me, it's gonna happen to you. Don't fear it, expect it. It's gonna happen. And what's beautiful is that even though you may be at odds because of your commitment, because it's produced challenges, Jesus is so good that it doesn't change the fact that he is gracious and loving and pursues the people who are at odds with you. He says, when you follow me, everything gets flipped. It's not all gonna make sense, but stick to it. And here's your final fill-in. Your commitment to Christ will produce deep emotion and affection. Jesus was committed to the Father's plan. The Father's plan was to rescue us, to make us right through his son Jesus, but it was all because the Father had this great love for us that he gave his one and only son. Jesus loved the things his Father loved, meaning Jesus loved us. He loved you and me. And Jesus fully knew the Father. He fully knew the amount of love that the Father had for us. Jesus grew this deep emotion and affection for us, not just because he was fully God, but because Jesus was committed to the Father, because he loved the Father. So in return, he loved the things the Father loved, which was you and me. Jesus knew that it was the Father's will, that he carried that cross and died on that cross, and he willfully accepted it because of his perfect submission to the Father and because he loved us. He knew that what he would go through be very painful, that he'd suffer a lot, but he knew that God's plan would triumph and that he would rise again on the third day, the victory of the resurrection. And this is why he, he puts in this passage, and anyone who does not carry his cross like him and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
See, to carry your cross means to fully put your trust in God unconditionally amid the challenges and battles in your life. To carry your cross means that although you may be in an extremely painful or difficult situation, you trust that God is with you during your suffering. So in response as his disciple, we try to live our life according to his will, not ours. We commit to following what he's spoken to us in his word and we don't live as culture tells us to. And truly we are counter-cultural. Living this way comes with persecution, temptation, and pain. Jesus said it's not gonna be pretty. It's not always gonna be beautiful. But we must carry that cross for Christ. Just as he said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. The good news is, is that we don't have to carry our cross by ourselves. Jesus does it with us. Jesus, just as he rose again, those who love God and trust in him and live by his will shall have victory in this life or in the next. See, to carry your cross, what Jesus means here is to answer his call. What is he calling you to do? And when we carry that cross, we don't just share in Jesus' victory. We share in Jesus' suffering too. And this is why our commitment to him produces deep emotion and affection for him. Because as your unconditional commitment to Jesus, the first point, continues to grow, so does your love for him. I bet most of you in this room have walked through victory moments in life and you've had suffering moments in life. And in times of, of suffering and pain, you can easily look back and think about who was there that just stayed with you, a friend who stayed in the pain with you, who got in the trenches with you, who listened to you when you just needed to express how you felt, who just sat while you cried, who cried with you, a friend that grieved with you. And that friendship, it just deepened. The love just grew because they shared not just the good moments in life, but the suffering moments too. They shared with you the hard things. And the same is true when you understand that Jesus, he just stands with you. He just sits in it with you. He kneels down with you in your suffering. And church, would you just stick with Jesus in the hard moments? Would you just sit with him? That deep emotion that is, that, that is produced in your walk with the Lord, grows an affection for him like none other. And it's not that everything you once loved becomes trash. It's just that your love for Jesus becomes first and ultimate and the most, even above yourself. You'll see that the one that you love the most is the Lord. In this hard saying of Jesus, it's not about hating your family. It's about being willing to stay with Jesus through it all, to be with him all in. 
through the highs and the lows. And when you encounter him, what's born is just this genuine affection and love for him. There's this Jamaican pastor. We have a picture of him. His name is Wade Gusket Rose. And his story that I'm about to share truly reflects this passage. So when Wade was five months old, he and his mother, who was age 19, they were desperate and alone. So what his mother did was she took him to her mom, so it was his grandma, to this one-bedroom house in a Jamaican seaside village. And Grandma kept Wade while his mother moved on to the city. Grandma loved Wade. He, she took him to church. She met his needs. But the week before his eighth birthday, Grandma fell, and she had a massive stroke. Now, seven days later, Wade found out from the doctors that his grandma had died. Wade's aunt then took him in, and she was 19. But his aunt didn't tolerate grandma's Christian religion, and she struggled to provide for them. She yelled a lot. She was angry. But Wade, he just tried to be good. He'd clean the house. He'd prepare food. And then when his aunt had children, he became the live-in child care. But it only got worse because she only grew angrier. So when Wade was 12, which is about a seventh grader, his aunt sent him to the store. And on the way, what he sees is this huge tent, this choir, and a preacher. So he just ducks his little head under the tent. He listens quietly. And then that night, he gave his life to Jesus. And then he told the church people, he's like, I want to be baptized. I'm ready. And even though Wade tried to keep this plan a secret from his aunt, she ended up finding out. And she told him, if you get baptized, I'm throwing out all your stuff. All of it is going to be on the grass. Wade said this, I have one life to live. He's 12. If this is what it takes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And on the day of his baptism... Wade crept across the dark village early in the morning to hide from his aunt. And from the church, they walked over to the river and they're singing worship songs. Families were walking together, but he was alone. Baptism happened. He comes home. He honors his aunt, what she said. He gathers his stuff in a small little bag. And that night, he slept in an abandoned house. And after a few days... Wade's aunt told him, come home. But she still opposed his faith. And on church days, she specifically left this long list of to-dos for him, a grocery list. She left the children with him because she knew that he'd end up going to church. But what Wade did is he, he got up early, he did all of the list, he did the grocery shopping, he dressed her children she, he ended up taking them to church. And as a teenager, Wade, he just lived a challenging life. It was hard. At school, 
He was the top boy in his class. At church, he taught, he even preached sometimes. But at home, he was the domestic help. He was alone, he was abused and rejected, honoring his aunt. And at night, he would just cry himself to sleep in his pillow. And to calm himself down, he would, he would just sing hymns in his head. And whenever he could, he would slip away by the ocean just to read his Bible. And as he read and spent time with the Lord, just this window of a world opened up for Wade. Oh, oh just a world that he dreamed of joining, which is the family. His life became shaped by God's love and his intervention in his life. And during the hardest times, this statement became his anchor of his life. Wade would always say, but God. Rejection could have brought shame, but God called him son. Circumstances could have made him feel unworthy, but God gave him worth. Disappointments happened, but God gave him a good future. And over the years, Wade ended up sharing Jesus with his aunt, with her children, and with his biological father. He found his father somehow. And now they're walking with the Lord. Faith changed them. But despite his aunt opposing his commitment to Christ, he followed. In her eyes, it looked like Wade hated her because of his devotion to the Lord. From beginning, his commitment was to Christ. And yes, there was a lot of suffering, but there was greater victory because his family came to know Jesus. God was on the throne of Wade's life. Is God on the throne of ours? Is he on the throne of your life? Because if not, If he's not the priority of your life, what he says about you, it's not going to hold much value to you. Because if anything other than Jesus is on the throne, then that will shape who you are and how you follow him. But if you believe God is God, King of kings and Lord of lords, and you believe this and understand that you are his child, Everything changes about the way you live and about how you follow him. Your commitment to Christ is meant to be unconditional. There will be challenges and it will produce a deep affection and love for Jesus. Would you commit to him today? Maybe for you it's the first time. Would you just take a step of faith and commit to him fully today. Would you be all in? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you even want to be with us. Thank you that no matter how high we're trying to climb this mountain to get to you and figure it out, God, that you're still in it with us. Lord, I pray that our walk with you would be more like a path. Lord, would we just sit in it with you? God, would you help us? Would your Holy Spirit help us evaluate our hearts? Where are we at with you, God? Where's our relationship with you, Jesus? Lord, may we be bold enough 
to make our commitment to you. May we be bold enough to just be all in with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are all in with us. Jesus, we ask for your help. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be challenging. But we're certain that it'll produce a greater love for you. Jesus, we ask this in your name, and we love you so much. Amen.